Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here with another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. We'll start this week with my conversation with Stephen Gardner. He's the COO of Amtrak with an update on how America's rail service is doing in the wake of COVID-19, as well as some unintended consequences, good news about some of their routes. 
Then a report from the CEO of Kayak, Steve Hafner, on what the big search engine folks are discovering about the changes in our travel habits, with a few surprises. And then I'll switch gears and chat with Charlie Leoka, the president of Travelers United, with what you need to know about your passenger rights and many of those issues that predate the pandemic and may in fact be with us long after that. First up, from Amtrak, Stephen Gardner. Joining me now is someone I've wanted to get on the show for a long time. I have an admission to make. I'm a total train geek. I love trains all around the world. I've had the opportunities to take some of the world's greatest train trips and report on them for this show. We've, and on one of those trips, we actually did it right here in the United States on the old Southern Crescent, which for those of you who don't know, uh, goes from uh, New York's Penn Station all the way down to New Orleans, one of the more historic routes of Amtrak. And joining me now, the Senior Executive Vice President and the COO of Amtrak, Stephen Gardner. Hello, sir. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we, we focus so much in this country over the last three or four months on infrastructure and how we're going to emerge from COVID-19, how we're going to come back in our hotel stays, how we're going to come back on, on airlines. Will cruise ships ever come back? But we got to talk about trains because people don't realize, even today, how extensive your rail network is. Yeah, absolutely right, Peter. Um, Amtrak's been really on a roll these past five years, really the past decade. We're, we're turning 50 next year and a uh, long, long history. Uh, and really the last 10 years has proven just how much the nation still needs a passenger rail system. And, and uh, pre-COVID, we were feeling really good. We've been growing ridership at record levels and revenues, really um, improving our customer service and looking to expand our network. And um, we're obviously still focused on those things. We, we're, we're feeling optimistic in the long run uh, about the role of rail in the nation. Today, our network covers 46 states, three provinces, and uh, we think there's great opportunity to expand in uh, all parts of the, of the nation where uh, we can connect folks um, from cities and towns, big and small, um, with a reliable, convenient, trip-time, competitive journey. But uh, as you said, these are difficult times in the travel industry generally, and um, that's no different for Amtrak. But we, uh, we've been doing more for America, and that's our goal is to come out of this and continue to grow and serve the nation. You know, you mentioned 46 states. Okay, I can pick one state you definitely don't go to, and that's Hawaii. What a brilliant guess that was. What are the other three you don't go to? Well, you're absolutely right on, on Hawaii, Alaska, uh, South Dakota, and Wyoming are the four. Uh, we do occasionally end up in Wyoming when we do a reroute on our California Zephyr service, and uh, we have... Um, broad ambitions. We'd, we'd love to connect Cheyenne down the front range to, to uh, Denver and then down to Pueblo and maybe eventually all the way to Albuquerque. Uh, we're working with the state of Colorado on plans and opportunities there. Um, so we'd love to add Wyoming to the mix and um, we'd love to serve you know all the places we can where there's the right level of demand and, and uh, right opportunity. You know, most people, you know, you have such a, a strong infrastructure in the Northeast Corridor, of course, between Boston, New York, and Washington, D.C., and that essentially is, is a great income producer for you, a great revenue producer. But what about the, the, the legendary trains? You mentioned the Zephyr or the, or the Sunset Limited, or I mentioned the, the, you know, uh, 
the uh, the Southern Crescent or the Empire Builder or the Cardinal or so many of those legendary trains that have such a such a, a history, uh, are you going to be able to maintain those services? Well, sure. We are committed to operating those routes, and of course, the, the route structure we operate is um, in response to the funding and the direction we receive from Congress and the federal government. So we work together uh, with with the federal government on building a, a network and then sustaining that network. We are right now uh, in a period of, of course, less frequency. Number of routes have been suspended uh, in in response to COVID nineteen. We we've been facing huge losses in traffic and revenue, as you'd expect, and and just as our airline uh, colleagues have and 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 uh, inner city bus providers are in the sort of deepest uh, period of March when, when really the nation was uh, very locked down. We were handling 3,500 passengers a day across our 46-state network. And that's nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. nothing. Oh, my God. Nothing. Yep. Yeah. And where are you, and where and, are you today? We, have those numbers come back a little bit? They have. We're, we're back up to about 15,000 a day, roughly, uh, right now. Still incredibly anemic, about a hundred, a hundred thousand short of where we should be this time of year. And of course, we're heading into peak travel season um, for all of our routes, so it's it's difficult. Um, but we are focused on on getting through it. Our to, to go to the long distance, uh, we are operating all of our routes today. We are doing some combinations, and we anticipate next year, um, at least for the certainly for the first half of the year, operating those routes on a three-times-a-week basis. Some routes currently do operate on that schedule, but many are daily. But given the very low demand, um, it just doesn't make sense to have more service there than the, uh, than, the than our passengers and our customers uh, can efficiently use. But we're hoping that's temporary. We intend to fully restore those, that service, and uh, we need to just watch for the market and, and travel demand overall. Again, we're um, 100,000 riders off right now, and we look out into the future, even in these next couple of months, and um, it's very hard to predict. It's hard to predict when demand uh, for travel will return, but we're working really hard to make it um, very clear how much we value safety and health at Amtrak. We've done lots uh, to try and address customers concerns about uh, traveling on the train you know, obviously you know, let's 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 talk about decreased. that for a second yep. we know what the you know what the airlines are doing with the electrostatic sprayers we know what the hotels are doing partnering with you know hospitals like the mayo clinic and johns hopkins and the cleveland clinic what have you been doing uh, along those similar lines yeah so we're, we're really working to set a new standard for travel on amtrak with enhanced safety and cleaning measures and a variety of simplification and sort of new safeguards that allow a more contact-free and convenient um, travel path as part of our whole journey. So from the moment you book to your arrival. And, uh, you know, a big part of that is, of course, maintaining social distance on our trains and our stations. So we have a, a, a loading cap that we, we don't sell more than 50% of the available seats so that everyone is guaranteed basically to have a free seat next to them and um, and good uh, distance. Of course, we have up, uh, up increased in uh, 
amplified our cleaning regimes. We're using the same kind of misting and other techniques to ensure that we have a clean environment throughout our trains and increased onboard cleaning as well. And then we're working hard to try and remove touch points. Many of these things were things we already were working on to just make travel more convenient so that you can do sort of everything you need to from your app on the phone. Um, but we've really enhanced that so that you're getting your gate and boarding information before you arrive and go straight to your boarding area. We've added more space and new boarding procedures to, to provide social distancing. And of course, we're requiring employees and customers to wear masks. Sure. Um, and no, and, and, no uh, more, uh, got, and no more priority boarding, right? Yeah, and that, and, and we've changed our onboard situation so that at uh, our we've added you know guards at our cafe cars to help separate passenger and uh, employee interaction. We're you're not eating in the cafe or in the diner anymore. We're bringing food directly to your rooms or in your or or it's a la carte. You're taking it back. So we're modifying the situation to give passengers more space. But because we've lowered the amount of seats we sell on every train. It's it's still a really good environment, Stephen. When we just last off, you last left off, you were talking about you know the whole contactless up approach, which the airlines have done, the hotels are doing now. You're doing, uh, and I, I'm a guy who loves to sit, you know, on a train and look out the window and go in the dining car and take some of the long haul trips that you you were known for. Uh, are you keeping the dining cars, or or are they soon going to become a thing of the past? No, we, we do have um, uh, many trains that have the traditional dining service in kind of normal times. Right now, we have modified how those dining cars work to uh, accomplish, this, accomplish the social distancing I mentioned. We don't want, obviously, passengers congregating together in the normal way that it works on our trains, where you're sitting next to a stranger and sharing a table. That That's not the appropriate uh, model in this environment, but... Absolutely, that that's a key part of the experience on many of our trains, particularly our our two night overnight trains, our long trips, um, and and we intend to uh, continue uh, working on that model and and up updating it. I mean, I think it's important that we capture the elements of that experience, which are um, iconic and and important, but also continue to modernize as as our demographics change, as the nation changes over time, we've got to continually reinvent these products. They can't simply be um, sort of the offer of the past. We've got to keep modernizing. And so we've done that on some trains. We've changed our approach in certain areas to create more flexibility and a a contemporary uh, menu. But we're uh, trying to find that right balance. And of course, we'll listen to our customers uh, as we do so in the pandemic, however. yeah. Yeah. You mentioned demographics. How? Give me the, the definition, if you can, of the of the current Amtrak passenger. Uh, well, you know, we have three different service um, areas. What we call our our uh, service lines. We have our Northeast Corridor service, and as you mentioned, many people will be familiar with that. That's our service between Washington, Philadelphia, New York, um, New Haven, Providence, Boston, up, up up the spine of the Northeast Corridor, and connecting also to several branches there, um, and that is driven uh, very largely by shorter trips um, and a uh, strong combination of business and leisure travel. Uh, so that that is a, a huge part of the Amtrak business and a uh, you know, big producer of our 
uh, both revenues and our ridership. And then we have our state-supported routes. These are the short-distance corridors all over the country. We partner with states, uh, uh, really across America, uh, where they uh, financially support and and help provide uh, leadership and planning and um, and uh, expertise to build routes that connect our typically big cities with either another city, usually a couple hundred miles apart, or, or a series of small communities. Uh, Chicago has a huge hub of these services that connect to Detroit, to um, um, St. Louis, to a number of, of cities in, in Illinois, uh, and, and up to uh, Wisconsin. So these types of services, they represent half of Amtrak's ridership. And there you have a kind of broad mix. You're typically competing against uh, automobile in those environments in terms of sort of uh, people's choice. Uh, and it's a great mix of, you know, college students, retirees, everybody in between. Um, and they're typically traveling maybe maybe for a day trip to head into the city, uh, maybe to go back to school. Uh, and then we have long distance. And long distance is roughly a little less than 15% of our business. And these are our 15, as you, you said, historic and sort of storied routes. And they connect our regions, um, and uh, they uh, provide also primarily, not not really known by many, but they primarily do provide short-distance trips within many of the points on the route. Very few people take the train end-to-end, and a relatively small portion of passengers are riding in our sleeping cars and uh, enjoying the traditional kind of dining and sleeping yeah. uh, experience on board. Most of the tr- Most of those riders are... On the Crescent is the route you mentioned. They're going from uh, Charlotte to Atlanta. They're using these trains uh, to cover those shorter distance trips. Um, and in many of those markets, we strongly believe there's a rationale for more um, quarter service, for short distance service. We think we'd love to serve Charlotte and Atlanta with more uh, daily frequencies so that people had more options. Uh, could use the long distance train, but also have more more options as they do in other parts of the country. You know, one of the things that you've got on the books, which not many people know, it's one of the all-time great train deals ever, is your 15-day or 30-day or even 45-day pass for essentially unlimited travel within a region where you get to hop on and hop off. It's very moderately priced, both for adults and for kids. Uh, I think it's like $500 for a 15-day pass, uh, $250 for kids under the age of 12. What a great way to satisfy all your obligations to visit every dysfunctional relative in one period. <laughs> I think it's great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It is a great deal. We're working on on actually sort of refreshing and and upgrading that uh, over time. We've got to work on some systems issues that make it uh, something we can offer online and make it easier to use. Um, we we think it's a great product. I agree. It's a great product. I've used it a lot. It really really works. My thanks to Stephen. And if you booked a flight online, chances are you've gone on Kayak, the big travel aggregator. These guys are loaded with data, and their CEO, Stephen Hafner, has a report. I wanted to talk to my next guest for a while now, and I'm glad I got him on the phone. He has the, uh, the enviable job of being a CEO of two companies, uh, Open Table, many of you use that service, and from day one, Kayak. And I use that service as well, too. Steve Hafner, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be on, Peter. So let's talk about where we are right now, because I know you wouldn't have that job if you weren't monitoring 
frequency, volume, direction, and trends uh, because, you know, so many people use the service. And here we are. We're now officially in summer. And we have 26 states where we have spiking cases of COVID-19. We have a world in which they don't want Americans to come right now. And if they do, they're going to give us a 14-day quarantine period, which for all intents and purposes, uh, diminishes the opportunity to go there in the first place. So as we emerge into the summer and as people begin to travel, uh, some of the trends I think you and I would would agree were sort of no-brainers, right? People traveling by road. So I'm assuming uh, you're seeing a spike in rental car uh, business. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Look, it's it's been a very interesting six months in the travel and, and hospitality uh, sectors. You know, we made our data from Kayak and OpenTable, for that matter, publicly available, so your listeners can actually investigate for themselves. But you know, on the travel side, we went to a, an absolute low in terms of query volumes on Kayak th- through our platform the first week of April, and we've been steadily creeping back since then. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, we were only down 50%, and I say only because 50% is a big drop, but being down 80% is even more so. So it's it's uh, it's coming back up, but as you know, the wild card, and you mentioned it, uh, is what happens with COVID. So does it start to increase again? And as it does, people are responding. So the, la- the last couple of days, we've seen query volume go back down again on Kayak. And wow. it's interesting. There's a, there's a big split between domestic and international. So international is still 75% down versus last year, and domestic now is about 50% down. And just to clarify things for our listeners, Kayak is not a booking engine. You're a search engine. That's right. So you know what we show uh, in our data dashboard is what can pe- people are interested in in doing, uh, not just for flights, but for hotels and rental cars and vacation packages. So we've got insights on all of that. And the thing, Steve, is that to clarify even further, so many people have been complaining to me by email on the phone about their inability to get refunds from travel providers or hotels and airlines and tour operators and cruises. But that wouldn't be a refund attempt from you since you're just a search engine, correct? That's right. But um, look, we, we get those consumer inquiries as well, even though we are just a search engine. And what we've tried to do with the product is to flag in our search results. Now you can actually filter on Kayak uh, by suppliers who have flexible cancellation policies so that you can the best you, you want to exclude non-refundable rates or uh, airline tickets that you can't get your money back from. So lessons learned are now applied on your site. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, ultimately, we're trying to build a site that we want to use as travelers. And that's that's definitely something that I'm looking at as a consumer. Yeah. You know, here's the second one that I'm not sure you get involved in directly, but for most other direct booking sites, you can't complete the transaction unless you opt in or opt out for the insurance. And you never really know what the insurance covers on that first page of the website, but you can't complete the transaction unless you say yes or no. And as I'm sure you know, Steve, the second biggest complaint we're getting is for people who, you know, with all good intentions, well intentions, uh, they they booked the they, they they bought the travel insurance only to find out that on page 95 of the insurance policy website they said well we don't cover you for pandemic yeah it's a it's an interesting problem you know sometimes i wonder if those contracts are written as long as they are just to obfuscate what they actually cover wait a minute uh, wait a minute wait a minute you're not wondering and you know (laughs) come on (laughs) i mean i i I do think um and and certainly at our sister company booking for example booking.com they have been um not just they've been much more lenient with their policies. So people who did book non-refundable hotel rates, for example, they reach out back to the hotels themselves and said, hey, can you do something on behalf of our customer? And many hotels and a lot of airlines have been more flexible than their rules would normally permit. Exactly. So, Steve, we're heading into the July 4th weekend next week. 
traditionally, you know, roads are jammed, uh, airports are jammed. But of course, you go back to Memorial Day weekend, and for the first time in 20 years, AAA wouldn't even guess how bad it was going to be. Uh, in fact, they didn't come out with a prediction at all. What's, I, I want to put you on the spot, but what does your data indicate to you as to how many people might be going or where they may be choosing to go? Yeah, people are definitely traveling if you look at our data, but it's, it's not by air. So for the first time in our history, we're seeing more queries through our rental car platform. That's up 60% versus last year, uh, just in New York alone, for example, um, whereas flights are still way down. So, you know, I, I think what people are looking to do is rent a car or if they have one, drive in a, in a radius of three to four hours and stay in a, on a destination they haven't been to before versus going to an airport. You know, for those travelers right. who are willing to go to airports, where they're going is very different too. It's, it's not the traditional hotspots of New York or London or, or Paris. It's going to outdoor places like Reno or Fort Myers or Salt Lake City or Tampa. So places where you can go that aren't crowded, weren't hit too hard with COVID and uh, where you have loose restrictions in terms of being able to go to restaurants or or beaches and pools, et cetera. I get the Anchorage part. You want to get as far away from the continental U.S. <laughs> as you can. But then you're seeing a surge in people looking at Phoenix, which has got a huge spike in cases. Yeah. So, you know, we'd have to peel back the, the onion a little bit on, on going to Phoenix. I think people are landing in Phoenix and then going outside of it because you, you can go out to dine and, and do outdoor events outside of Phoenix. But, yeah, there there has been a surge. And, you know, uh, Two weeks ago, three of our top five destinations were in, in Florida, and that's completely changed. Same with Houston. Yeah, so, you know, no people kidding. are reacting as they get information about COVID-19 cases. And you're also starting to see a little bit of traction with Mexico, aren't you? We are. You know, Mexico started opening up uh, mid-June, and we've seen search interest uh, to, to Mexico. We've also seen it to the Caribbean. So Jamaica's open, for example, and a couple other destinations, and, and especially Puerto Rico. And, you know, we have a large native population here in the U.S. of folks who, who are from Puerto Rico, and I think a lot of them are going home to see family. Then there's the airfare subject. Uh, not too long ago, I'm not making this up. I'm sure you could prove it on your own site. One of the airfares on a one-way ticket from Fort Lauderdale to Los Angeles on JetBlue was $12.89. And but it didn't stimulate traffic. The plane was still, you know, 80% empty. Has the airline industry discovered that discounting is not going to move the needle? Absolutely. But I, you know, I think the the reason those fares were so low is JetBlue was going to fly that plane anyway, so they might as well get someone on it. You know, since then the airlines have done a, a pretty remarkable job in trimming their schedules. Uh, so, you know, the, the flight service isn't quite what it was, you know, it's down actually 70%. And then the, the average fare isn't a bargain anymore because you don't have the corporate travelers sitting in the front of the plane or booking at the last minute who are subsidizing uh, the bargain hunters out there like you and me. So, you know, those of us who are looking for uh, cheap fares to places are likely to be disappointed. Unless you're looking three or four months down the road, because my understanding is that the airlines haven't really been able to adjust their algorithms in this extraordinary period of time to figure out who, who anybody's going to fly. And I'm seeing really reasonable fares anywhere in the world, not to mention the U.S., over Thanksgiving and Christmas right now. Yeah, so I think the, the airlines are doing the smart thing, which is trying to collect as much data on demand as they can. I don't think they have a good understanding of what flights are actually going to fly. So, you know, in between New York and Miami, for example, American three months from now is showing almost a complete flight schedule. I don't think that's actually what's going to happen. So they're trying to sell as many tickets as they can. And then as we get closer to the date, they'll probably collapse that schedule to fewer flights. And by the way, as I tell all of our listeners, if the airline cancels first, which you want them to do, that's when you qualify for a full refund under the DOT rule. And that's what's been happening ever since February. 
And, and based on what you're saying, Steve, if they're going to collapse the schedule, that constitutes a cancellation. One That's more right. thing I want to get to, uh, and that is you talked about a website that you had called booking.com, right? That's one of our sister companies. That's right. Right. There's another website out there, not to be confused with that, that's in serious trouble. They went out of business, uh, and that's called bookit.com. And they stranded thousands of people uh, with no money back and nowhere to go. Uh, and when we, when we come back in the next hour, we're going to tell you that story. I mean, there's even a Facebook group of thousands of people uh, trying to get their money back from this one website that literally disappeared over a 24-hour period uh, back in March. So I don't want anybody... To, I don't want anybody to confuse booking.com, which is a legitimate, viable website that Steve that Steve's involved with, with the, with the subject matter of our next segment when we come back. Steve Hafner, the CEO of Kayak and Open Table. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Peter, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. And now, if you're still obsessed with the issues of the center seat on airplanes, we're just getting started. My discussion with Charlie Leoka on some important passenger rights that still need to be addressed. You know, it's getting a little crazy out there. Earlier this week, uh, the Airline Pilots Union actually petitioned the United States government with a rather interesting proposal, and that is to spend additional billions to pre-purchase every middle seat on a plane to make sure they stay empty until we find a vaccine and then allow the airlines to fly at a reasonable profit. Crazy idea, but the more I think about it, it might might fly. Uh, However... Speaking of middle seats, doesn't mean the middle seat's going to get any bigger or the seat next to it's going to get any bigger or the seat in front of it's going to get any any further away from you and all sorts of other things that became passenger rights issues way before the pandemic. So joining us now, uh, the president of Travelers United, happy to have him back on the show, Charlie Leoka. Hey, Charlie. Hey, how's it going, Peter? I'm okay, but you know it's 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 crazy because you know we talked earlier in the show of people who are who are refusing to wear masks on the plane and the inability of the airlines to enforce it without legal justification from the FAA, you know, but they'll make you wear your seatbelt because that isn't a federal air regulation. And then we talk about something that predated the pandemic, and that is who's watching the airlines on pricing when we're all done with this? Who's watching the airlines on personal space and the ability to safely evacuate a plane in an emergency when we're all done with this? Price advertising that's misleading. Who's the watchdog there? Uh, And what are we going to do when we come out of this? These are all in existence before, and they're going to be in existence when we come out of this, right? You're right. And just in terms of the, um, a quick mention on terms of the mask and the FAA, is that right now we've got an administration that doesn't want to have any new regulation. Therefore, they're not going to have a regulation or a rule that says across the board you have to wear a mask. The airlines are supporting the administration right now, but my prediction is that in September or October, the airlines are going to be begging the administration to give them a mask rule because they can't do it themselves. They have no enforcement capability. Exactly. And so that will be one thing which will change. So anyway. Yeah. And, and, um, of course, and of course, the one thing I love now, this is just my, my sixth sense of humor, is that on the in-flight safety brief, they actually put this into the script that in the event of a sudden drop in pressure, the oxygen mask will drop down. Please remove your mask before you put on the other mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All yeah. right. So speaking of, of regulations, you know, it's been one of my pet peeves for 30 years that the FAA requires every airline to be certified that in the event of an emergency... Uh, where the plane is literally uh, blocked with half the exits blocked, the plane is in the dark, that they can safely evacuate the entire plane 
in less than 90 seconds. And every year, the airlines remarkably pass that test. And, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's impossible. Well, I agree with you. And the test that they, that they pass is they're passing. Right now, the test is all a computerized test. They're using computer, computer simulations to pass the test. And the airlines have not really done for the FAA uh, an actual evacuation in almost 20 years. And so we're in a situation right now where they say they can do it, but everybody knows it just can't be done. And the other thing, uh, so what we've managed to do now in Washington is that the consumer groups have all gotten together and we got the airlines to, or we got the FAA to say, you're going to have to show us that this can happen. And so step one was they just did a test to show you if they have a tighter seat or more uh, leg room and so on and so forth. But everybody was very young and fit. But the only thing they wanted to do was to see whether or not that affected the speed of the um, evacuation. Now we're going to have another set of, of tests probably next summer or the summer after, because these also take a very long time to do all the tests. Uh, and then, they'll, then they will do another test where they'll start. They're going to have real people evacuate an airplane. And they're going wow, to I, I want to be there for that. I want well, to be there I've for that. I've already asked to be there for that. <laughs> but they said no. It's going to be secret. Well, so, you, know why? Uh, you know why it's going to be secret? Because the real people they're going to hire for this are going to be the cast from Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> they may be. But we're, going to, we're fighting for it right now. We, we finally have a few observers, but uh, we're not going to have the same. Uh, all of the media is not going to be there again, and not this time. So and speaking of right and now. speaking of seats and evacuation, let's just talk about something that would be a practical and common sense of a family being able to sit together on a flight. Right. And, you know, that's a situation where I realized way back before the uh, last FAA bill, well, way back in 20, the 2016 FAA bill, that we needed to have a governmental rule that said families could sit together. So we got that put into the legislation. And in the legislation, it said it basically says that DOT needs to do a study, and if appropriate, that they have to set up a rule that allows families to all sit together. If you've got a kid who is, well, if they've got a kid who's 13 years of age or younger, that person gets to sit has to be able to sit with an older member of their family. Now, the DOT has interpreted that, if appropriate, not meaning if appropriate after hearing from the FBI, after hearing from family organizations, and so on, that then they make the rule. But they've just said, we don't think it's appropriate, so we're not even going to start the rulemaking. And that's where we are right now. They totally are ignoring Congress. And tied in with the same rule, we also got another thing, another rule saying that Let's assume that you pay uh, $35 to have your baggage checked on your flight. Well, it doesn't show up for 12 hours. What happens then? What happens then? <laughs> Go to the TravelersUnited.org website. They know. My thanks to Charlie, to Steve Hafner, and to Stephen Gardner. And thank you for listening to the Ion Travel Podcast. For more interviews with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, make sure to subscribe, rate, or review the Ion Travel Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen. You can also go to petergreenberg.com for the latest in travel news updates. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free 
on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.